I have the honor to uh, introduce a good friend, Ron Wilson, our guest speaker for Senior Adult Recognition Day. And uh, I've known Ron and Janice for 15 plus years uh, through their time serving with the International Mission Board, but they've been in ministry 50 plus years as a pastor, as a missionary, as a leader, as a trainer of missionaries. One of the things that, or a couple of things about Ron that just always remind me of God's graciousness is just to look at his face. He always has a smile. He's always encouraging with his words. And he literally has his fingerprint on thousands of missionaries that have served and are serving around the world. In the influence, the encouragement, the challenge that he has put on their lives so that they might better serve our Lord and Savior. We have the honor to hear from him today, and it's my prayer that God will use his words, continue to use Ron as he ministers to us. Join me as we welcome Ron Wilson. Thank you. Good morning. It's really our pleasure to be here with you today. And Janice and I would like to start by just saying thank you. We want to thank you on our behalf and the behalf of all our colleagues around the world. As you've given and as you give to the cooperative program through your regular offerings and through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, you have blessed us and you bless our colleagues. As you pray for missionaries, you bless us and how thankful we are. You see, we're folks of ordinary means. Without your blessing, very clearly the Lord called us to serve overseas. But it was churches like yours that allowed us to go and live and serve in those places. So again, we just want to express our appreciation today. You know, for our topic this morning, let me just ask a question. And the question is this, what's the legacy you've been given? You know, as we think about Senior Day, we uh, talked about that earlier. The key for us is to think about what will we pass on? See, we'll all be remembered for something. If we follow what our culture says today, it would say to us simply, buy this product, adopt this lifestyle, and you'll be happy. Now, we all know that's not the answer. But we encourage you to think about the topic today and just think about what has been passed on to you. You see, we're so blessed. It was at the age of seven that I knew of my need for a personal relationship with the Lord. I'm privileged to have grown up in a family that loved God and had a deep appreciation for His Word, and that was part of our home. I'm privileged to have been involved in a local church that loved me and cared for me and discipled me. You see, it was at that age that I came to my understanding that I was lost, that there was sin in my life that I needed to ask forgiveness of. And you see, that one decision has influenced 
the rest of my life. So what a privilege. We've recently moved back. We've been away for almost 45 years and moved back to Lancaster. So as we've returned, even this morning between services, we meet folks that know our family or know of our family. And again, we just are grateful and reminded of the legacy that we've all been given, or certainly Janice and I. And so I ask you to think about that for just a moment. When we think about legacy, what is it? Well, it's something that's passed along to the next generation. So what will you pass on to your children? What will you pass on through your children to your grandchildren and to their children? What will you pass along to your neighbors, to your nieces, to your nephews, to your family, to fellow believers? I'd like for us just to think about for just a moment a passage of Scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 1 through 15. Now let's just look at these verses. Now this is the commandment, verse 1. This is the commandment, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me, commanded Moses to teach you that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandsons might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that you'll keep them all the days of the life and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen. And be careful to do it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul. And with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on the gates. Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build, and houses full of good things which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns which you did not dig. Vineyards and olive groves, which you did not plant. And you eat and are satisfied. 
then you watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. You shall fear only the Lord your God. You shall worship him and swear by his name. You shall not follow other gods, any gods of the people who surround you. For the Lord your God is in the midst of you and is a jealous God. Let's pray together. Father, how we thank you for your word and for this passage. I pray today that you will speak to our hearts. Just guide this time, direct it to our needs. Oh, Father, how we love you and show us the way that we should walk. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we think about this, we see that Moses is preparing the children of Israel. They've been wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. And he's reminding them of how they were brought out of the land of Egypt and out of slavery, a land that they had lived in for almost 400 years. So Moses is preparing them to enter this land, and he's giving them specific destructions. As Moses gives these words, he knows of their abilities. He knows who they are and their abilities to enter, possess, and to prosper in the promised land. And he knows that that is dependent upon their obedience and love of one true God. So again, he's just reminding them. Here's what's happened in the past. So Moses is teaching them the statutes and the commandments. And we see this. As we just, let's reflect on this point. What is the foundation upon which you'll build your life? What will you build it on? Build your life on the right foundation. That's what Moses is reminding them here. And I just pray that for all of us, it's a vibrant relationship with the living God. And so Moses is reminding him, this promise has been made to your forefathers, and you're about to go into this land that God has promised. God's intention and his desire was to bring them into a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of blessing. But it was up to the people. It was up to them to work and live in right relationship with God in order to receive the blessing that God had for them. It was up to them to follow these commandments. But Moses was teaching them, and the instruction was that the fathers would teach the sons and the grandchildren, that they would teach their household. And again, I'd say that the moms would be engaged in that task. But here it's very specific to teach. Teach the next generation and then the generation after that. He spoke and gave this commandment to teach the people if they would teach their children and their grandchildren. Develop a pattern. 
And so as we walk through these verses, we just see the specifics here about this. That he's commanding them. This commandment, the Lord has commanded me to teach you that you might do them in the land. So it's not just the teaching, but he's commanding them. We're going to teach you, but put it into practice. Live in this way. Live in obedience to God. Keep and follow and live out these commandments. So as he gives this instruction, that's what he's reminding them. That you're going over to possess it so that you and your son and grandson, why are you teaching? That you would fear the Lord God. That you would have reverence, a sense of awe of God. That you would relate, that you would obey, that you would follow his leadership. And he says, as dependent, if you do this, what's he say here? Then we look at uh, verse, the second part of verse 2. I command you all the days of your life that you live in this way, that if you do this, your days may be prolonged. Listen and be careful to do it. You see, that's why the Lord's given us this book, that we would read it, that we would study it, that we would know it, that we would live it. And so Moses is teaching them for this purpose so that they would understand it and would follow these ways. So the Lord has commanded him and Moses is following this. He's teaching them and that they would follow his guidance. He's saying, hear and listen and be careful to do. As we look at the Hebrew language, the word listen means to obey, to follow through in obedience. It's not just hearing, but it's following through in obedience. As grandparents, very interesting. You look at your children as they're raising your grandchildren. And you learn to be quiet at times. At times, you notice. And you listen. And I was observing my daughter with one of her, with a granddaughter. And the daughter was surrounded by her cousins, and they were having a great time together. And so the granddaughter was not paying much attention. So my daughter leaned over, and she looked directly at her, and she said, Listen, I want to see your eyes. Look directly at me. Now, why did she do that? She wanted to make sure that her daughter was listening that she had her full attention on mom and on the instruction she was about to receive. That she was no longer distracted, but that she understood what mom was asking. So again, we see this here. Moses is saying to them, listen, hear, and obey. That's a key part of this covenant relationship. And so that's his challenge, that you would follow through in this way. As we look at it, we see that Jesus has a specific word with the new covenant. He says to us in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Love. Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
to follow his word, to understand his life, to understand how he lived out and to see how he modeled for us. That we would love him and live out his commandments. Now again, the spiritual legacy that we're leaving. The story that I would share, we're members of Second Baptist Church in Lancaster. So we've already shared with you, we have learned a lot of stories about our family just moving back. As young people, we didn't, uh, maybe we didn't take the time, but we didn't have the opportunity to hear these stories. But now we do. And so one of the stories that we've learned was actually after Janice's granddad's death. And we've heard this story about how they, uh, it was during the wartime, and he lived in a community. They were members of Second Baptist, but they lived about five or six miles from the church. So during the wartime, certain products and services were limited because all the effort was going to that around the globe. And the thing that was limited for them to impact them directly was gasoline. Gasoline was rationed and they had a little card and they would go and only get so much for this period of time. So as they noticed that, Granddaddy Hunter began to look out in the community. And he lived near his mom. And in this household was Janice's granddad, her grandmother, and her mother. And then her great-grandmother. So as you think about that, they began to look and they saw that the families in the community were not going into church. There was no church close by. And so they began to think about that and pray about that. What would the Lord have them to do? This became a real burden as they noticed the spiritual condition of their neighbors. They knew that they were not gathering to study God's word and for fellowship. So they prayed. And the Lord led them to open their home and start a Bible study, start a church in their home. And so they did that. They invited their neighbors. And Granddaddy Hunter would get up early and use the ration that he had to drive around in the community and pick up neighbors and families so that they could come to their house together to worship and to study God's Word. This burden led to this action. This was the start of the Hyde Park Baptist Church a church that still exists and serves that community near Lancaster. So it's part of Granddaddy Hunter's legacy. This led them to begin a church in their neighborhood to extend God's kingdom and minister to the neighbors. What specific training have you been equipped with? How has the Lord been specific with you in things you should do that grow out of burdens that he's placed in your heart. This is part of your legacy. Now we build our lives on that strong foundation, the word of God, learning and obeying his commands. We share our life messages. The question for us is how can we pass on what can we do? How can we pass on the spiritual values to the next generation and to those that are around us? What do we want our families, our friends, our neighbors 
fellow believers to remember about us. What values, experiences, and patterns will benefit our children and our grandchildren that they will remember? Now, it's these verses, again, he just guides him. And as we walk through and just look at some of the specifics here as he talks about this. And he's, again, these words I'm commanding that they will be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently. Teach them diligently to your sons. You shall talk with them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts and the gates. So again, he says, listen to God's word. But what shall you do? You shall teach these to your children and to your grandchildren. When are you going to teach them? Very specific. When are you going to teach them? Well, Moses uses the illustration of four contrasting words here. He says, teach them when what? When you sit in your house. Teach them when you walk by the way. Teach them as you lie down. Teach them as you rise up. So Moses is talking about their daily patterns, their daily routines. How can we make God's word? How can we as a family, as an individual, have conversations about God with those around us? So we study his word, we learn, but we're responsible to pass it on to others. And so Moses has given them some practical counsel here about how to do that. How shall you do it? When you sit down, when you walk by the way. So again, not many of us walk far by the way, but how do we do that? Who do we encounter in our daily routines besides our family? that we can pass on. But the specific command is to teach your family and those that will pass it on to the next generation. So this is the pattern that God wants established. And you see, it's a challenge for us. We know that if we don't teach it to the next generation, possibly the second generation, what will happen? All we have to do is look around our globe. All we have to do is look in some places and we will see paganism has come into play where there's not an active practice and belief in the living God but a secular movement and we see that do we not one of the things that I noticed just this past week it was a little clip on USA Today and it had 21 churches in America grand churches that had been abandoned they were no longer in use It was discouraging to see the pictures. Houses of worship that were no longer in use, but had been discarded, windows broken, floors, terrible condition, the whole thing in disarray, some for many years, paganism comes to play, where people no longer believe and practice and worship the living God. 
But Moses is writing and encouraging them not to be discouraged, but share it with the next generation to repeat it. He also says to put it up in very specific places. You're to place these words on your forehead, in your hand. You're to place them on your doorpost. And the essence of this is that the law will be in your hearts, that the word of God will be in your heart. The intent is that the home and all those that live there will be recognized as people who live by these words. And, you know, we see this sometimes at Easter, don't we? Little posters, little things that we put out to encourage our neighbors and communities. But the key point for us here is are our homes recognized? And are we known as people who love God and follow His commands, living in right relationship with Him in our life? You know, so I've thought about that. I just jotted down a few, uh, few specific things. How do we apply this? How do we apply this? What are some practices in our life that we can see? Moses are really saying to them, be aware of the teachable moments. What are the teachable moments for your family, for your children, for your grandchildren, for those that you relate to? What are those opportunities that you can use? How do you develop a plan and a pattern? Janice and I became concerned about this uh, quite a few years ago. And so we began to practice certain things and to put them at place in our life. And so how do you do this with certain patterns and regularity? The teachable times. One of those is praying, praying at specific times. You know, people need pray, they, prayer. They want you to pray for them. So how do you do that? Praying for a friend, praying for a family member, praying for the emergency workers as they rush by in a police car or an ambulance. You know there's a need. Praying for people that you see along the way, modeling that for your children and grandchildren. Nothing delights a granddad's heart better than a child in the back seat that all of a sudden starts praying as you're going down the way. How can this be repeated? They'll see you modeling. Model this in your home. In the life of Jesus, how do we see that he related to children? He said, bring the little children to me. He did not push them away. Listen to them. Engage them in conversation. We try to do that more intentionally. How do we do that? As a dad, we put down the remote. And we began to engage and have conversation. And that's part of the goal for us. And you know, that's a key thing. It's just that daily routine and that daily conversation. One morning, two of our grandsons were visiting with us. And our practice is to get up early. We're early risers. We get up and we start with God's Word. That's been our practice for a long time. And we continue that. Janice has a place with her Bible and other resources. And I have a place. And we go to that place, a cup of coffee. And we open with God's Word. These two grandsons were visiting with us. And one of us an early riser. And he came downstairs. He came and found Janice. And he said, I thought I would find you here. We've read the stories and heard of so many who've been influenced by moms and dads praying for them. By grandparents who had this practice. 
You don't have the spiritual conversations, I find, not for most of you, but white hair gives us an opportunity for a little bit more freedom. How do you ask people? How do I pray for you? How do you ask them? People you encounter. What's your relationship with the Lord? Not in a threatening, challenging way, but in a caring way for the people you know, for the workmen that you encounter, for those that visit your home, for those that you work alongside of. How can you ask that question and engage them in meaningful dialogue? For me, they're less likely to take offense. And you know, I'm at the point in life where I'm going to share that regularly. That's part of what the Lord has said to me. So I encourage you to think about that. How do you take advantage of these opportunities? Stop for just a minute and engage people in conversation. We have a story to tell, a story about salvation. We have a story to tell. Sometimes people are curious about our baptism. How did you come to know the Lord? We have a story to tell as we see the Father walk us through and meet needs during difficult times in our life. A particular story that I tell to the new missionaries is when Janice had a very severe and significant illness. It was our first year on the field. And so we said, God, we've come here to serve you. How are we going to walk through this experience? People want to know. They want to hear about your experiences. Engage them in conversation. Some of the research that I've read in this very week points to the fact that the younger generation is one that may use social media, but in many ways they're lonely. And they're looking for people to be their friend and those that would engage them in conversation. Use the teachable moments. Have time for prayer, for Bible study, for relationships. We may think, they don't want to talk to me. That's not accurate. Ask the Father how He would guide your conversation. So again, develop a plan. What's the pattern of your life that will honor the Lord and will be used for His glory? One particular gentleman that we've known for a long time, he's in heaven now, his name's Bill Montague. Bill was an RA leader in a church that we served. We went to a celebration of his life service. The church was packed. And we heard young men talk about Bill. You see, Bill was not just an RA leader. He was their RA leader. They'd have time. Many of them would walk. He'd take them home. They'd have time in transportation. He would engage them. He knew about their families. He knew about their needs. He understood what was happening in their lives. He would take them camping. A whole group of men would take them camping to a particular place. They'd go on outings. This was part of building a relationship with these young men. At this celebration service, we heard generations of men talk about what a difference he made in their life. How he cared about them. He knew their needs. How he would hold them on certain accountability if they were losing their way. And they all benefited from this relationship. So build a strong foundation. Share 
your life message. And then finally, finish well. Finish well. Stay on course. Stay on track. And we see these words in the last part of the chapter here where he talks to them. He says that you're going to go to a place and the Lord's going to give you splendid cities. You're going to splendid cities that you did not build. You're going to receive houses again that you did not build. They'll be filled with good things that you did not put them there. There'll be cisterns that will have water. You didn't dig them. There'll be groves. There'll be olives that you did not plant. This was the Lord's provision and the Lord's blessing for them. And he gave a warning. And the warning was this, do not forget God. When you move into this land, when you see that there's an abundance there that God has provided, he's provided things for you out of his choice, his good intention for you, do not forget it was God who did this. God is a jealous God. God is zealous about his relationship with his people. Now we know that. In this land, we're so blessed. And I understand the challenges. But when we look at the rest of the world, we see a land that is blessed. A land that's flowing with milk and honey. So many times God's provision in our life and we think, well, I've worked hard. I deserve this. No, we do work hard. But it was God's blessing and his provision in our life. It was folks that came before us to give us a way to live, instruction about how to live, how to be faithful, how to be directed. We're surrounded by those that care about us. So how? How do we do this? And his word very critically is, do not forget about God. Do not worship the other gods of the people around you. And that's his caution today. When we reach that point in life, don't forget of his provision, of his direction for us, of those who have guided us. Don't forget how he's blessed us in life. You see, when things become prosperous, it's easy to forget about God. It's easy to think that we earned it. God is a zealous God. It's easy for us to think about the things that others worship and be pulled aside in this practice. Who do we worship? Finishing strong, a brief story, and then we'll end. Some colleagues that we've known for quite a while, both have passed on now, and they're in heaven. The Harthcocks, we met them in the Caribbean. They retired after they had worked in the agriculture department for Gary. We met them in Puerto Rico. They're from North Carolina. 
But they came to the Caribbean to serve in Antigua. And they helped us to, and the people there, to understand how to grow crops and make them more productive. And taught us about irrigation, a lot of other things along the way. They planted churches and communities were blessed. Communities were developed because of the way the Lord used them. From there, they moved on to another place, to Guyana, did much of the same thing. They retired again, and the Lord led them to South Asia. In South Asia, they went to a particular country that I'll not mention, but they began to teach English. And they learned how to do it and began to teach English to a group of Buddhist monks. Advanced in years, they were faithful to build a relationship to teach English while teaching God's Word. From there, next, they moved to another country in South Asia, and they became concerned about those that did not have Scripture in their own language. And so they developed processes and materials for orality training. Now, Evelyn became ill and passed on. The people in that community, those communities, loved and cared for her in her last days. Gary continued. Gary developed and continued with a daily Bible study that he sent out to believers, to people that he had known, to people that he had served, to people that the Lord had drawn to them. He did this until his last days. A life well lived. A life fully committed to the Lord. Finish well. Finish well. Let me just close with the passage of Scripture. Psalm 92. Starting with verse 12. The righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in old age. Most of you aren't, but this is our senior day as we focus on that. They will still yield fruit. In old age, they shall be full of sap and very green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. He is our rock. Let's pray together. Father, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that you love and care for us. And Father, we're grateful for this instruction today that comes from Moses. That we're to take your word and teach it. That we're to focus on that and pass it along to the next generation and the generation after that. That we're to teach and have conversations about you as we see it, as we go by the way, as we lie down, 
and as we rise up. Now, Father, I pray today that you'll just guide us in this process. Help us to be the encouragers, the witnesses to people around us. Help us to understand their needs, dear Father, and communicate your love. Now today, Father, if there's someone here that needs to make a decision, how I pray that you're going to guide them during this hour. How we love you, dear Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I'm going to ask you just to continue in that attitude of prayer. And one of our convictions here is that every time God's Word is is shared, in whatever environment, God's Word always speaks and it always uh, demands, invites a response from God's people. And today I'm just going to ask you to take just a moment or two at reflection and just sitting before the Lord and, and just think about intentionality. You heard this word from the word. You heard some of the examples out of life. What does it look like for you? As a follower of Jesus Christ, what does it look like for you to intentionally live and leave a legacy? A legacy that'll impact your family, friends, co-workers, classmates. A legacy that would reverberate throughout eternity. What would it look like for you to live your one and only life with the intentionality of leaving a legacy. I'm just going to ask you just to spend a moment before the Lord and just say, Father, so many things call for my attention. Would you help me by your Spirit to be intentional about living and leaving a legacy?